We've been giving our attention to various aspects of prayer. We looked at the, the widow's example in Luke chapter 18 of her continual coming before the answer came. And then we considered the verse in Isaiah, last, uh, our last study, where the Lord said, Therefore will I wait that I may be gracious unto you. I want us to look in Colossians chapter 4 to continue the theme of what we might call long-term praying. Because you will notice in your own prayer life that some requests are, uh, cover long periods of time before the answer comes. Long-term praying. We see here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, toward those outside the household of faith, redeeming the time. I want us to, to emphasize those, that first part of verse 2, continue in prayer. We're reminded of the verse of our Lord in Luke chapter 18 in verse 1. Men ought always to pray. There's a continuous action. There's praying without ceasing is First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. We put all this together, and the question arises, if we need God's help in some situation, if we earnestly pray for some person, why must we continue to pray, pray repeatedly and often for a long period of time? People will often ask me this. I've had people say, Pastor, if the Lord knows and hears everything, if I ask him once, is that sufficient? Uh, should I keep on praying? Uh, what about that? Well, sometimes the Lord answers prayer quickly, doesn't he? We all could testify of answered prayer and how immediate it came. And, and some, it seems, he answered before we even called. And when the answer came, we realized that the Lord already had in motion the answer before we ever knew we had a need and, and cried out to him. Often in short periods of time, as in cases of emergency, I think of Peter sinking on the wave. Remember, he prayed an emergency prayer, didn't he? Lord, save me. Uh, he, uh, that was not long-term praying. That was uh, an emergency in, in a split second. And the Lord heard him. And we know the Lord can hear speedily and answer instantaneously. But often in our Christian experience as believers, we wait long periods of time for God to answer certain requests. Now, I remind you as in our study of the importunate widow that the Lord's is not as the unjust judge who puts people off and just lets us stew and squirm in our situation uh, out of some kind of uh, meanness or capriciousness. That The Lord is the opposite of all that, and the whole point of that parable is that God is not like that unjust judge. He's ready to hear and answer. But we think of often in the ministry here, uh, we, the salvation for certain people that we pray for for long periods of time. We were discussing in staff meeting today that the praying for the funds for the digital changeover. For years we've been praying for that. And uh, it seemed as if no answer would come. And then all of a sudden the funds and everything came together in just the, the time of need with the pressing deadline for the FCC. You see how the Lord chose to wait 
to answer that prayer so we could know it was certainly from him, that, that he alone could lay on the hearts of the individuals who all joined in and gave to, to that, that specific uh, project to have the funds in hand to order the equipment and to have things ready. Sometimes we pray for things for years, as I've mentioned that illustration. There are other things that that just comes to mind before there is an answer. In fact, the whole process of us having a radio ministry here was years and years. And many of you here know the years of of applying and waiting and, and going before the FCC and before the answer finally came. It was many, many years from the time of filing for the radio station until it was granted there in 1983. Well, Colossians 4.2 tells us to continue in prayer. Keep on presenting requests is what uh, the, the word is saying there. In the Greek, it means to be earnest towards the word continue, to persevere, uh, to attend carefully and diligently in a matter, to stick to it, to wait on it. Paul tells the Colossians, pray, keep on praying, continue in prayer. But again, the question would arise, but why? What is God's purpose in delaying our answer to prayer? We don't require someone to ask us a request 50 times before we respond to it. And there are several reasons, though, I think, for for God's reasons in delaying and answering our request. First of all, let me just say from the outset, God is sovereign and whatever he does is right. If he waits or if he does it immediately, it is right. And so in trying to answer this question, it's, it, I'm biting off a, a, a big chunk here to try to, but I do think there are some reasons that are obvious and evident to us of why he tells us to continue to pray and why the Lord delays in answering at times. First of all, prayer is as much about us as it is about the request and about the answer. Our focus is on the answer, the alleviation of pain, the circumstance being worked out, uh, the, the, the need that we see and that things would be so much better if this request came. But the Lord has given this privilege and this resource of prayer to work on us. And so the first thing I would say in answering why the Lord chooses to wait sometimes is to get us in line, to work on us. God is not a Santa Claus. He is not a genie in a bottle. He, to just grant our every wish. And, and sometimes, sadly, some teaching on the Lord and His graciousness and answers prayer almost puts Him in that mode, and nothing can be further from the truth. If He always did answer immediately, we would begin to expect Him to always do just that, wouldn't we? And even to demand Him uh, to respond like that. I hear some teaching, I don't really hear it or know of it, where you demand and command and speak things into existence and tell God what to do. And that's not what prayer is at all. Prayer is finding out the will of God and asking Him for His own glory and honor uh, to bring things to pass. But if the Lord answered every prayer instantly, as we think we would like for Him to do, our tendency would be to see Him as the servant and us as the master, and the roles would be entirely reversed. We would forget to honor him as sovereign Lord. When we come before him, we pray, as our Lord taught us in the the outline of prayer, the model prayer, thy will be done. You see, and that's at the beginning, isn't it? Lord, we, we pray if it be your will, the Lord willing, and then we present our needs. 
but the will of the Lord is always first and foremost. And we recognize his sovereignty in his absolute authority and control over everything to start with. Lord, this is how I see it. This is the request. I believe it to be according to the scriptures, but Lord, your will be done. And we're taught by our Lord to, to ask in that way. We would forget to honor him. Remember the children of Israel didn't appreciate having their meals delivered to their door every day after a while, did they? They began to resent it. What, a, a, resent a blessing? Oh, we have this manna delivered to our house every day. We have to go out of our tent and go pick it up and prepare it and bring it in. Oh, how tiresome our lives are. How, how horrible it is to have to go out and gather our food on the doorstep every day. And they began to, to murmur and complain. Can you imagine if every meal you had was delivered at your door? And you began to complain. These old regular meals here every day, every, every meal time. And uh, they began to get tired of the food. And they began to request something else, did they not? And finally the Lord relented and gave them the quail. Oh, we'd like some meat in our diet, something else. Remember, they were in transit they were supposed to be going on into Canaan and having their own vineyards and houses and farms. But, but because of discipline, they were wandering around. And God, in his discipline, provided for them. And they got tired of it and asked for quail. And one of the greatest indictments in the scripture is in regard to the Lord granting their request. The scripture says, he granted their request, but sent leanness to their soul. Because we're more concerned about the outer man than the inner man. And the Lord is far more concerned about the inner man than he is about the outer man. Because the inner man is eternal. And so they, he gave them food. And they got tired of that, didn't they? they it began to just become a, a curse to them. Well, he keeps us waiting. Persevering in humble prayer. Making our requests known. To keep us straight. To keep us right to keep us dependent upon him, to get us in line and to remember to who he is and who we are. And that if he didn't provide for us, we would have nothing. And uh, we depend on him for our every need to keep us from acting like spoiled children. Remember, we may spoil our children, but God is a righteous heavenly father. He does that which is just and fair. He never spoils us. He does not do that which would ruin us. And if he does, as he did in the children of Israel, it was a discipline. The granting of the quail was a discipline. And they danced a jig, no doubt, when they finally the, the diet was changed and the menu was changed. All the while, they didn't realize that was a discipline. We are unworthy sinners, saved by his amazing grace. It is because of our fallen hearts that prayer must be persistent. So the first reason, I think... Why the Lord delays sometimes in answering prayer, although he graciously answers immediately at times, doesn't he? But in some situations, he delays is to keep us in line. Well, secondly, God delays in answering prayer to show us reality. And what do we mean by that? No human agency or talent or intelligence or power or wealth could answer all of our needs. Now, the majority of people, if you were to poll them today, would think if they had a certain amount of money, they would be okay. 
They look at their circumstances. They look where they want to be. If I had $5 million or $10 million or whatever that, that amount in their mind or some amount of money more than what they have now, then I could be happy and content and not need anything. They foolishly think that everything that they could, any emergency that could arise or any situation that could come up could be met with a sum of money. Now, you and I know on this side of it that's not true, but deep down in the fallen human heart, most people think that. And Satan knows that most people have a price, that they could be bought and sold for a price. And, but really, no human amount of money could keep you going. Do you know how expensive you are to keep up? If you had to pay for all that your body, the Lord keeps your body doing all the time, have you ever had a hospital bill? What if you had to pay that every day of your life from the time you were born to the day you would die? To pay for your body to function as someone in intensive care tonight would have to. Astonishing amounts of money. There's no amount of money. You couldn't come up with the amount of money that it takes to keep you alive if, if everything had a dollar sign to it. It is beyond our human comprehension to see what the Lord does on our behalf. Most of it unseen. Most of it we don't know what all He does to keep us going and to keep us surviving and healthy and, and safe and uh, providing for all of us. Answered prayer also is not a simple matter. When the answer comes, we are amazed, aren't we? And we rejoice because of the miracle that brought it to pass. Lord, I couldn't have brought, I could not have orchestrated all these events just like this. Sometimes we say that just the person was there at the right time or the, the specific doctor just happened to be on hand when the emergency was there or the amount of money or whatever the circumstance is. The Lord orchestrates every detail. And when the answer comes, we rejoice because of the miracle that it took to bring about the right answer. If we prayed one day for a lost loved one to be saved, and immediately that day they were miraculously changed, we might begin to think that people aren't so depraved after all. That it's a very easy matter for the human heart to be changed, to be regenerated. That the Lord causes us, though, to believe in the reality of what His Word teaches. He says men are hopelessly, desperately wicked, doesn't He? He says we're depraved and that we're dead in trespasses and sins. And, but, but many people don't believe that. The Bible teaches it, that we're dead in trespasses and sins, blind to spiritual truth and what a miracle regeneration is. This confirms His Word when we pray and pray. And finally, we begin to see the Spirit work in somebody's life. They call us on the phone and say, I've been thinking about and they, a spiritual matter. And we begin to think, well, this person... That's the farthest thing from their mind. Then they might begin to ask questions about eternal matters. And, and we see the process begin. And, and after a period of time, that person, their heart is open to spiritual things. And they begin to seek the Lord. But we see that with God, all things are possible in His time, in His way. A third reason that God sometimes delays in answering prayer is to remind us, again, of our utter dependency on Him. You see, we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. If we just had to ask for things once, we would, would lose perception and perspective on how powerless we are. And Jesus, what did he, he, he said, without me you can do how much? Nothing. Without me we cannot do one thing, nothing. If life was altogether victorious and 
plentiful and prosperous. There were no sick people to pray for, no close calls, no hard hearts, no bitterness to have to be removed. If we were on an emotional mountaintop all the time, 24-7, that we would develop a horrible spiritual pride. Do you realize that? And, and like Nebuchadnezzar, we would walk out on the balconies of our little kingdoms and pat ourselves on the back and think, well, if everybody was just as spiritual as I am and had it together as I do and had their spiritual ducks in a row, they'd be as blessed as I am. And if they just had the secret, and we would begin to, to have a horrible spiritual pride. Look what I've done. Look what my spirituality has caused. See how powerful my prayers are. And look what I've accomplished with just a little help from the Lord. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. The Lord cares too much for us. He knows how, uh, what a tendency it is in all of our hearts to be lifted up with spiritual pride. And he shows us and allows for circumstances to show us just how dependent we are upon him and his power and his provision. We could never in our own strength alone bring about the things we pray for. If we could, we wouldn't be going to him, would we? And so we go to the Lord moment by moment, continuing in prayer. Lord, I'll fall if you don't hold me up today. I'm as weak as water. There's, there's no good thing in my flesh. Lord, lead me not into temptation because if the temptation comes, I'll succumb to it. We pray like that. Oh, Lord, don't, don't allow me to get into a situation where I will fail you because like Peter of old, I will fail you if you don't hold me up. And God keeps us in this holy dependency on him because he knows our flesh is weak. And, and we should, but even as believers, we forget. And then we get lifted up with spiritual pride. And then the fall comes. There's that, that, that's the way it is in, in visitation. Knocking on many doors with very little response. And then, then the Lord opens and, uh, and some respond miraculously. And it's a wonderful blessing. But we continue. We go on sowing and planting. And then the harvest will come in due season if we reap and, and faint not. But there's a fourth reason, I think, why God delays and answers prayer, pray, our prayers. So we have to continue in prayer and long-term praying. is to remind us of the conditions of prayer. Do you know that, that prayer does have conditions? Oh, we have wonderful, glorious promises from the Lord, but they're conditioned. I think of the one, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so, to keep us right with him, if we did not have to remember the conditions of prayer, we would foolishly think we could live any way we wanted to, keep bitterness in our heart. What does the Lord say about husbands and wives? Be not bitter against one another. Why? So that your prayers be not hindered. If the Lord didn't have that in there, couples would think they could argue and fight and not have any fellowship, no making things right, and they could still go before the Lord and get their prayers answered. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, thou will not hear me. What does he say about if you come to the, the, the altar to bring your, your offering? Remember that you have ought against a brother. Not the brother having ought against you. You having ought against the brother or vice versa. Go to him. Make it right. And so the Lord uses these to remind us of the conditions of prayer. It causes us to search our hearts, doesn't it? When a need is there, we need to hear from the Lord. We need for him to move. What do we do? We begin, as we examine prayer portions like James calling for the elders of the church to pray, that whole portion of prayer talks about confessing sins, 
making sure our sins are confessed. Because if not, we would think we could just come before the Lord and get healing, get anything we want to. As, I, as I've mentioned already, treating the Lord like some genie or some Santa Claus. But the Lord says, wait a minute. I do hear and answer prayer. In that portion of Scripture, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, what? Availeth much. But you better confess your sins one to another as you're praying for the brother to be healed. You see, he keeps things, our spiritual lives, constantly in perspective. Am I asking in faith? Doesn't the Scripture says, If any man, if he doesn't ask in faith, let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. So we, we constantly are praying, Lord, show me. Am I lacking in the faith? Am I really asking in faith? Do I sincerely desire your will in the matter if it's different from what I'm asking? You see, Lord, I'm asking you to do this, but if you cross me, I'm going to be upset with you. We can't be that way, can we? Lord, I want your will even if it is opposite of what I'm asking you. And, and help me to see it and correct me. Am I regarding sin in my heart? I've already mentioned that. Regarding sin is ignoring sin. You know you're not right with a brother or sister. You know you're holding a grudge or withholding affection or fellowship. And you're not right with them. And yet you are going before the Lord and, and with request. And what does God do? What about your brother? What about your sister? What about that situation? Unwilling to stop some sin? Unwilling to make something right? Is the Holy Spirit grieved? We always ask if the Holy Spirit is grieved. The Bible says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Is there someone I have not forgiven? We often focus on who's not forgiven us, you know. But the question is, am I holding all against someone? We're at a prayer meeting, folks. This is where we discuss these things. We've come with requests, asking the Lord to bless His work here in our lives. Is there someone I have not forgiven? Maybe they have wronged us. They may or may not know it. Do you know sometimes I, felt, I have found that in my life when I thought someone had wronged me, they may not even remember or be aware of the thing that's, that's, that I have in my heart and mind. What do we do about that? We go before the Lord and ask Him to cleanse us and help us to get rid of it. And if need be, go to them and, and clear the matter up. Am I sincere in this request? Or is it just self-aggrandizement or spiritual pride? These are all conditions and all manner of conditions to answered prayer. And so God delays sometimes and keeps us examining ourselves. Lord, am I right? Is the, is the request right? Will Jesus be glorified? Will I be better spiritually? So we, this examination, the scripture says, examine yourselves. That's something that's hard to do and we often shun away from it. But in the matter of prayer, we must. Do you know that the Lord's goal is to confirm, conform us to the image of His Son? And He is tireless in doing that. We're interested in, in uh, problems being alleviated, us being happy, smooth sailing. But the Lord is far more concerned about our holiness than He is our happiness. Happiness is entirely circumstantial. If, perhaps, if everything goes my way, I'll be happy. The Lord is working in a far deeper level than just my transient or temporal happiness. He's working on my soul, the inner man. And God delays, His delays keep us examining ourselves and our requests to make sure that we're right with the Lord and right with one another. And that's what church membership and church fellowship and this holy accountability that we have keeps us reminding us of these things. And what our motives are, whether they're pure. When we're required to keep praying over something for months and years maybe, we usually see that there's something amiss 
or that what God truly desires or, or some sin or some attitude that needs to be exposed and dealt with. God's delays helps to filter out some things. And after a while, we may say that's not even fitting anyway. He may show us that the thing we're asking about maybe shouldn't be. And uh, sometimes it takes time to bring us in our stubbornness to that place. It causes us, though, to say, oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. His judgments are pa- and his ways are past finding out. Well, Colossians reminds us, doesn't it? Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, this just isn't just watching for the answer. Watching till the answer comes. Like you're watching. When I was a little boy, if somebody said they were coming to see us, I'd go out on the front porch and just wait till my uh, relatives were coming from Georgia somewhere, as if watching would bring them on. You know, just go, they're supposed to be here this afternoon. And to me, afternoon could be, it was three months long. And I'd go out there and watch and watch. This watching here, when he says continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, is not watching for the answer. It means staying alert spiritually, to be awake spiritually, to watch out, to be on guard like a night watchman would be, and and to keep awake. We can get sluggish spiritually. We can be kind of anesthetized and not see that we're not sharp spiritually. And we're to be on guard. We're to watch our motives, our pride, watch all kinds of things. And our, our trouble is that we are spiritually lazy at times, and we relax too soon and give up with fervor. And the Lord wants that fervor to be there in our spiritual lives. In our praying, we are to keep alert and a close watch over our spiritual lives. And we must. We must be right with the Lord. We must be right with one another if we're going to see answers to prayer. And we should see answers to prayer. Doesn't he promise that he'll answer prayer? We have so many promises. In fact, one of the tests of, of a, whether a person is regenerate or not, if someone, if I'm ex- helping them examine their profession of faith, do you experience answered prayer? There's a reason if we do not ever receive answered prayer. And it could be that we're not saved, or it could be, if we are, some spiritual problem or unconfessed sin that the Lord is trying to show us. Not always. Uh, but these are some reasons why he may delay an answer of prayer. Are we just praying for ourselves and our problems? The Lord has a way of getting us beyond just the, the myopic view of just ourselves and our family, beyond that, that level to other people. And then we begin to, to, to have the place of the intercessor of Abraham. Don't you know that, and I'm saying this on a human level, that after a while it got kind of tiresome having to, put up with Lot all the time, who never got it, never was spiritual, never did try to, to be in the right place at the right time. And yet, Abraham, it took him out of his comfort zone. It took time and effort for Abraham to stand before the Lord and intervene on behalf of Lot. Well, you can judge spiritual growth. Uh, one, of the reason, one of the ways you can is you're praying, you're praying is expanded from your own horizons to include others and their needs. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And one of the ways that we bear one another's burdens is an intercessory prayer. Are we including continual praise and thanksgiving for what he's already done? You know, I think we fall so short in that matter. I'm always convicted. I sit back and look, Lord, look what you've done. You did answer prayer. We've been long in asking and short in praising 
And we ought to have just some times of praise. Where, and I hope you record answers to prayer little notebooks or, or something, one of the greatest things to rejuvenate your spiritual life is to go back and look at the Ebenezer's. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. Look what the Lord did here. Those stones of remembrance were to jog the spiritual memory. Look what the Lord did. He answered here. He answered here. He answered there. We were commenting in the, the staff devotions this morning. If the Lord never answered another prayer, He's already answered so many, we'd have to spend eternity praising Him for it. It's a quick antidote to doubt, being down in the dumps and doldrums to say, oh, how good the Lord has been to us. Are we praying for others to be saved? That ought to be at the top of our list. There, there ought to be people just burdening our heart. There's about ten people, when I rise first thing every morning, they're just burdening my heart so desperately. And they kept coming to mind. So I made a list, and I pray for them every morning that the Lord would bring them to repentance and faith. And uh, we, we just are determined to see them come to the Lord and ask Him to save them. Are we also praying for power and strength to overcome our sins? You see, one of the dangers in the Christian life is I was saved here, and then I've, I've grown in grace. We forget about old sins, and if we're not careful, things will slip up on us. In that, in that not watching and being very uh, casual toward things, and are we vigilant in praying over those areas of weakness, those strongholds, those areas of potential, uh, areas of falling? Are we vigilant so as to stay out of a spiritual rut? You know, a rut, someone has said, is a grave with both ends knocked out. And, and we can get into a spiritual rut. Oh, Brother Lamb, I'm not in sin. I'm not being, you know, out, out of the will of the Lord. And yet we're just in this spiritual rut. Or, or put, just put into one compartment after uh, on prayer. Are we just praying in one area when the Lord would expand us to pray for many, many different things? While the Lord wants us to be concerned with a broad range of things, from missions... We mentioned our missions tonight to the needs of others, to the prospering of our church and so on, the needs of others in our fellowship. God often answers our prayer by giving us the opportunity to play some part in the outcome. Have you noticed that? You'll have a burden and you begin to pray about it. And before long, the Lord will show you how you can be a part of answering it. That's how ministry is carried out. You might think, well, I could do that. You might be burdened about a certain thing. You begin to pray for it. That's how many people who will tell you they're called to the mission field. They begin to pray about a certain field. And before long, the Lord was knocking on their door and said, well, what about you? What about, why don't you go and be a part of that? When we pray for someone to be saved, uh, he may cause them, the Lord may cause them to cross our path so that we have the opportunity to present the gospel to them. Often people will call me and say, Pastor, I want you to go see so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I'm, I rejoice in being able to do that. But I often wonder, why don't you? Uh, have you thought about asking the Lord to open the opportunity and to bring about, why not pray, Lord, bring about circumstances in my life and their life where we will be in a situation where we can talk and I can present the gospel to them. Instead of thinking, well, somebody ought to go visit them or someone else. And it may be that the Lord uses it in that way. But we often uh, think it should be someone else when the Lord may be working on us to do just that. If we aren't watching, being spiritually alert, staying alert, we might overlook our part 
in the, there may be a part for us to play in the answer, the outcome. Dr. Peter Masters writes, to watch is also to be diligent and methodical. Most people are extremely methodical in managing their secular affairs, pouring over bank statements, he writes, bills and accounts, and yet with prayer, there's no administration whatsoever, no piece of paper in sight, no list, no uh, getting with it and writing it out, perhaps, and, and, and staying with it until the Lord brings it to pass. He goes on to say, prayer should surely be planned in some measure and reviewed from time to time. The prayer list should be reviewed. And, and all this is included in the term watch. Never should this greatest of all privileges, the ministry of prayer, be vague ill-considered, bless this one, Lord, bless this one, just bless, without really specifically entering into the burden or the need and just haphazard kind of praying. I think we ought to think about that. Someone has written, Surely it is a wonderful thing that the eternal God should make promises to his own creatures. Before he pledged his word, he was free to do as it pleased him. But after he has made a promise... His truth and honor bind him to do just as he said. To him, indeed, this is no limiting of his liberty, for the promise is always the declaration of his sovereign will and good pleasure. And it is ever his delight to act according to his word. Yet it is marvelous condescension for the free spirit of the Lord to form for itself covenant bonds. Yet he hath done so. The Lord has made a covenant of grace with men in which he has confirmed his promises, not only by pledging his word, but by giving his oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. In that covenant, there are promises many and precious all confirmed in Christ Jesus and established forever upon the foundation of divine truthfulness. This is our hope, even as Paul wrote to Titus, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So should we not persevere when the Lord has given his own word to do certain things on behalf of his people? And so sometimes people say, well, why pray? I've seen a list of several things. First of all, it was the Lord's purpose. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And that's what he wants it to be. Secondly, so we can follow our Lord's example. Matthew fourteen twenty three says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And then to obey the command of Jesus. Luke 18, 1, as I reminded us, men ought that's a command, ought to pray, it is right to do. Fourth, it was the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, it's interesting that they asked him to teach them as they witnessed his own praying. And as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then, fifthly, to obey the, the Scriptures. As we've mentioned, pray without ceasing. We pray because of our great need. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number seven, because God desires us to seek him. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. 
and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. What a gracious promise. I often give that promise to those who may be in doubt of whether there's a Lord or salvation. I, I always tell them, you seek the Lord. You begin to seek him and ask him to reveal himself to you, and he certainly will. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And then Jesus desires to answer our prayers. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And because prayer is effective, it works, doesn't it? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then lastly, it is the one necessary thing. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Well, let us take every need before the throne of grace, and may he give us grace to do just that.